the story of Galano. Episode 3. After having an earthy meal, a good cry, and a solid night's sleep, the next morning, Galano, waking from his spot in the coat closet, set to work to try to defend himself against the ever-present threat of the Felinian. Sam, can you check see if the coast is clear? You got it! I remember something about Felinians being really sensitive to water? We are clear! The Felinian is downstairs sleeping. Galano, you are correct. Felinians have a strong aversion to liquids. Unless it's in their food, they get most of their fluids from the animal meats they eat. If they eat you, they'll drink your fluids. How did they evolve like that? Ruthless. Uh, okay, uh, let's look and see what these humans keep around. Keep a lookout, Sam. No problem, Galano. Galano explores and rummages around the kitchen to take stock of his options. Amidst the mass of wooden pasta spoons and spatulas, Tupperware and cleaning wipes, Galano finds Ziploc bags, duct tape, and a load of unused plastic straws. Jackpot, I think. What are you gonna do with these? If the Felinian hates water, what's the best way to get water at it from a safe distance? Water spitters. I like that name. Sam, I appreciate you. And so Galano set up a small workstation by the kitchen sink, quickly filling the Ziploc bags full of water, sealing them with duct tape but sticking a straw out of one of the ends and taping it secure. What I'm thinking, Sam, is if I can have a couple of these handy, I can at least keep it at bay. All you need is to exploit the weaknesses of your adversary, and then you've got leverage. Galano, yes, I like the tape on the exit hole of the straw with the little hole in the middle. You'll have a strong stream, powerful, ha! If I can keep her backed up, I can at least get outside to eat maybe figure out a way to signal the others. Let's uh, give it a squirt, shall we? <laughs> Galano points and shoots at Sam. Ah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a hologram. Ooh! They work. Now, we wait for tonight. Back at the space base with Major Nord, a tall, almost human-looking alien dressed in what can only be described as a military suit jacket and pants, with strange wobbly holographic metal markings on the left side of his jacket delineating rank, with jet black eyes, hair, and a very pronounced widow's peak. And Dr. Maya, another seeming humanoid, just as tall, dressed in the classical white lab coat uniform with sandy brown hair resting on her shoulders and glow-in-the-dark oversized wide blue almond eyes. The two walk with purpose down a smooth, stark white cylindrical hallway. 
Doctor, I know she hasn't been cleared yet, but I need something powerful, and I need it now. Major, I understand, but number nine is far from ready. She's been the only one in the Kiri program to be able to survive Earth's atmosphere and harsh conditions, but we've only tested her for short durations. The pressure from Earth's actual gravity alone could break her within an hour. The Kiri program, while powerful, it's nowhere near the potential of Galano. <laughs> potential? I need something ready. Something that can fight their way through whatever they'll need to. I need confirmation on Galano's death. The report from the CO was suspect. If the Ariman's are tipped off to Galano, we could be in for a serious shitstorm. If there is a threat, I need a weapon that can handle it and dish it back out. The two stop at a small brick-sized window, each placing a hand on either side, and moments later, the touched section of the hallway responds and lifts away, revealing a room with a transparent wall looking into another room. In this room, beyond the see-through partition, a gray, though far more human-looking and clearly taller than Galano, at about five feet eight inches, dressed in a skin-tight gray-blue tactical suit and with much more pronounced human feminine features, sits levitating in mid-air, cross-legged, eyes closed, her long hair billowing around her in shimmering different colors, changing and shifting like an octopus, a kaleidoscopic color show. First purple, then blue, blonde to green, then fiery red to sunset orange and pink. All the visible colors seem to bubble up and disappear into each other. After salvaging what we could from the ruins of Ganatochi, we were able to integrate just enough of the Utsukushi genome into the project. She's resting at the moment. Her hair. An apparent dominant expression from the Utsukushi genome. It seems to be an indicator of internal functioning as well as a warning sensor when we expose her to threats. A demonstration, Major? Please. A panel of buttons appears on the glass in front of them. Dr. Maya taps a few with her gloved and pointed humanoid fingers, and shortly after, a slot the size of a golden retriever on the left wall floor level opens up. What enters, or more accurately pours and oozes through the opening, was no happy helpful companion. A black bubbling boiling glob of goo slithers into the room, and the slot shuts abruptly as soon as it's clear. A proto-molecule of the collectors we've manufactured designed to stimulate response, but it poses no real threat. With the word threat leaving the lips of Dr. Maya, number nine's hair flares a bright fiery red as if electrified. Her eyes shoot open, glowing an icy blue, and her head swiftly turns toward her prey. Descending from her levitated position, she stands tall and reaches out with her hand toward the blob, grasping it with some unseen power. It squeezes. In a fluid, aggressive maneuver, she whips her right arm up and she flings the blob into the air, almost touching the ceiling, and whipping her arm down, crashes it against the floor, splattering it into bits and puddles. She then lifts a final chunk of what's left up into the air and with a flick of her wrist, launches it against the viewing glass. Hard. So hard, in fact, a small crack appears. 
Her hair and eyes suddenly matching ruby red, the two black bloblets on the floor and wall begin to smoke, catch fire, and incinerate into coals and embers, then dust and ash. She takes a deep breath, then releases it. Eyes returning to their sub-zero color, satisfied the threat is eliminated. Number nine closes her eyes and gently rises to her cross-legged levitating position, hair fluttering and changing color as it did before, as if no show of violence had ever occurred. Impressive. With the cultivation of telekinetic and some nascent pyrokinetic abilities, she can handle threats at a safe distance. The successful Utsukushi hybridization has made her immune to the debilitating effects the collectors induce. If she can survive Earth's atmosphere long-term, I've seen enough. Get her ready. Back to Earth and Galano. It's late. About 1.20 a.m. And Galano, now with his game face on, has come down from his coat closet perch, pressed against the inside wall of the closet for tactical cover, with a water spitter in each hand and an extra stuck to his right side with a duct tape holster. Sam, what's the status? Looks like the Felinian is inbound on your current position, Galano. Ooh, here she comes. Get ready. It's go time. Oh, Galano. Tonight is your night. I'm going to tear into you so slowly, so deliciously. You'll beg me to end it quick. Where are you, my tasty post-midnight meal? Right here, you sorry excuse for a house pet. Do it now! Galano reveals himself from his position and gains advantage, appearing just to the left of the unsuspecting Felinian. Galano squeezes the bags in rapid-fire succession, squirting the Felinian in the eyes, ears, nose, and mouth. Direct hits all. Not water! <laughs> you're not so tough when you're all wet. Galano maneuvers himself around the now soggy cat, with his back facing the French doors, spitting water from his water spitters with dead-eye precision, keeping the Felinian at arm's length, and steadily making her more cranky. Oh, my coat! My gorgeous coat! You got it in my eyes! Come on! I know your weakness, and I know your name. Socks, you don't get to call me that. <laughs> oh, but I just did. Socks, now back off. I'm stepping outside to get a bite to eat. And get off this rock. Soon as I clear all these power lines and radio waves, I know my people will find me. The Valinian, or Socks the cat, is surprisingly still. Staring just beyond Galano, mouth slightly opened and eyes wide. Wow, you really do hate water. Keeping socks at spitter point and never taking his eyes off her, Galano reaches behind for the handle of one of the French doors. I wouldn't. <laughs> I've got you. I win. What do you mean I wouldn't? I'm out of here. Galano, wait. Don't open that door. Sam? What's going on? Did this Felinian get to you or something? 
Galano, still pointing his spitters at Sox, turns his head around to take a look in the direction of Sam. A pitch-black shadow with bright, blood-red eyes beaming through the glass doors glares into the home and into the very heart of both Galano and Sox. A collector waits hungrily just outside, mouth open. Galano, dumbfounded and feeling colder by the moment, stumbles backward and stands shoulder to shoulder with the stock still Felinian. Oh, crap! Be sure to come back next time to find out what happens in the story of Galano.